0: Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to podcasts, or if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash fantasyfootballtoday, yeah, that's right. We have video, and you can see what we look like and tell us if we look like you thought we looked like. Does that make sense? Adam Azer with uh, Dave Richard and Ben Gretch. You know, Heath was supposed to be on the show today, and he had Debo Samuel as one of his busts. And Debo's out, and Heath He's is right. out today. Heath will be back next week. Uh, yeah, so I would have to agree with Heath at this point. 63rd overall is too early for Debo Samuel. He's out three to four months. But holy cow, Ben just wrote an article about it for the website, cbssports.com slash fantasy. All right, so here's the first question. Should Brandon Ayuk be the first rookie-wide receiver drafted?
0: No. I think it's close. Uh, I don't think. It's not close for me, not yet. He was someone that I thought had a lot of good talent and athleticism but wasn't quite NFL-ready.
2: Here's I have a question. Then uh, would you take him over Debo?
0: Not yet, but okay. they're they're going to be pretty close in my rankings, Ben. I'm going to
2: move. I'm going to move Ayuk over Debo, and I like I, Ayuk. I, I hear I, that. Yeah, I think I think people are. I think as a fancy community, we were a little bit lower on Ayuk than maybe the 49ers were. Remember they traded up to whole, draft him in the yeah. first
0: round. Shanahan loved him
2: yeah and and he has that yak ability he had a great um return profile in junior college uh before his time at asu he was less of a returner uh at asu but he still did it and he he had a punt return touchdown he he did it more as a part-time guy and was still successful at it and those types of skills actually tend to be a little bit predictive of future success they tend to be predictive of of yak ability and, and and ball ball skill or uh Ball and hand skills. I don't know. I'm saying that weird, but being able to to make plays after the catch and yep, um, that's what the 49er scheme is predicated on. It's not just George Kittle's skill set and, and Debo Samuel's skill set that that leads to such high yak numbers. It's their whole scheme. I mean, they they run so much misdirection off their run game, so much play auction play action off their run game. So Ayuk is like, if they're gonna miss Samuel for any amount of time, Ayuk's gonna be a really good fit in that way.
1: Yeah, it's important you that <laughs> I put the time frame out there because he's out three to four months and if he's out three months I he might miss a week or two you know that would be best case scenario he could yeah. also he could also go on short-term IR you know go on the public obviously the pup there's list, our, right. start training there's camp already the, talk that the pup list is yeah a there's talk but yeah. if it's if it's truly three months that's we're recording this on June 18th July, August, September, September 18th. We're exactly 12
2: weeks okay. from the Thursday kickoff game. You, you noted that I wrote the article, so I did a little research. Okay. The, the, the commentary was 12 to 16 weeks. You should expect him back. We are exactly 12 weeks from the Thursday ah. kickoff game. So the short end of that would be he could be back by week one. Sure. But that's also pretty optimistic for a couple of reasons. One, Debo Samuel has a lengthy injury history dating back to his time at South Carolina. has never really been healthy. He, he wasn't a very productive college player because he was always banged up. Um, and then number two, this specific injury, the Jones fracture has a high rate of re-injury is something you do not want to rush back from. We've seen it a lot throughout NFL, recent NFL history. I, I believe Des Bryant had it, Julio Jones had it early in his career. Uh, it was a contributing factor to Hakeem Nix falling off significantly as he tried to rush back a little early. There's some, there's some positive, um, Positive examples there and also some negative ones. And and I don't think with a young player, the Niners will have any interest in rushing him back too early with this type of injury. All
1: right, second question then. And then I'll, I'll do one more about Garoppolo. But second question, George Kittle. You know, on a per-game basis, basically the same as Travis Kelsey, but he played two fewer games. I mentioned the two games he missed were against the two best matchups for tight ends, and Jimmy Garoppolo threw 91 passes in those two games. I can't even imagine what Kittle would have done against Arizona and Seattle. Uh, He probably would have finished as the number one tight end, and and maybe people would take him ahead of Kelsey. Does this help George Kittle? Does this move him to the first tight end off the board?
0: It's close. I... I hesitate to do it because I just know that Travis Kelsey just feels safer, and we've seen the touchdowns from him more so than Kittle. But you think about it: where where's the ball going to go here? Okay, it, it's a team that wants to run the ball quite a bit anyway. But if there's no Debo and Emmanuel Sanders is gone, he's in New Orleans, then it's it's Ayuk, it's Kittle for sure. Is Jalen Hurd going to be good enough? Does Dante Pettis get another shot? Does Kendrick Bourne refine his identity? That was bad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> do, do the running backs get more involved? Does Kinnon get M- McKinnon get more involved? Mick involved? Uh, I-, I think Kittle's going to end up seeing a lot more looks from Garoppolo after this. And that means coverage is going to be uh, tight on him too. But th- those catches will be, they'll be there. I think it could be pretty close in the PPR and I'm, I'm more inclined to take him now in round two than I was before this. Interview. So,
2: I kind of go the other way where I would say I don't I don't think I'm moving Kittle around like I I I already had Kittle basically maxed out for what I think his role could be in this offense I didn't know uh, that I would was limiting him or I, I I wasn't limiting him in any kind of way because of the other receivers on this on this offense necessarily they weren't that deep it's a couple of young guys so I you know somebody else is gonna play. I don't think Kittle can get like 35% of the targets now. I mean, I I think I was already maxing him out pretty much.
0: If he was going to get 35% of the targets, then that's an easy guy to put ahead of Kelsey. (laughs) I don't think we're going to do that. The the question is before I was was okay taking Kittle in late round two. I would have preferred it in early round three because I'd always prefer to get players around later than where we're talking. But now I, I feel like he can get you off to like a little bit more volume without Debo Samuel there. So I wouldn't hate it if he's there in round two, but I'm not going to move him ahead of Kelsey.
1: All right, last question. Does this ruin Jimmy Garoppolo's sleeper appeal? Let's uh, let's wrap up here so we can get into the bus. But,
0: you know, Garoppolo,
1: great yards per attempt, was spectacular when he took over as a starter in 2017. They were very run-heavy last year, obviously, but maybe if they just throw more, there is sleeper appeal there, I think. But is is it over now?
0: For now. You gotta you gotta wait and see how Ayuk does in camp, how Jalen Hurd does in camp, and Hurd can end up being tremendous for them because that's a size speed combo that you know he got he had, he was injured last year and he couldn't do much, but now that he has an opportunity and apparently he's training hard just like everybody else, doors open for him, doors open for one of these receivers, and if the the reports are Curtis Samuel good coming out of San Francisco, then that'll keep Garoppolo's star shining bright. Devo Samuel. Yeah. Um, Garoppolo. You said Curtis Samuel. I said Curtis Samuel, meaning all... Remember all the hype about Curtis Samuel oh, last year? Oh, okay. Well, I, that was very, I meant that to was say very Curtis tricky. That time. Okay. I, every single day, there was a big highlight yeah. or a story about Curtis Samuel and how he looked like the best receiver yeah, that ever yeah, yeah, played in the yeah. history of the Carolina Panthers. And uh, people were drafting him high because of it. And then he ended up stinking. Trivia Hopefully question. that doesn't happen to somebody in San Fran.
1: Trivia question. Name the top two running backs... Or re- uh, sorry, wide receivers in rushing yards last year.
2: Wide receivers? Debo. Debo had to be one
1: of Debo them. Debo Samuel, number one. Who was number two?
2: In rush yards. Oh. AJ Brown had a long touchdown. Is this an AJ Brown trick question?
1: <laughs> Curtis Samuel. Both of the Samuels were one wow. and two in rushing yards. All mm-hmm. right. And there's your 49ers discussion to start the show, a bus show about the 49ers. Hey, it happens a lot with the team that loses in the Super Bowl, but. We like him. Um, Who would be your number one biggest bust? uh, You guys each gave me four names. There are a lot more on the website. Heath also gave me four names. Debo Samuel was one of them. I'll I'll reveal the other three for Heath. But uh, Ben, bust numero uno for you. Who would it be?
2: Busts are tough. Um, But I'm going to have to go, I think, right now with Raheem Mostert, which is kind of a shot at Dave because he had him as a breakout. I, I don't think that's crazy. I think Mostert either goes one of two ways. He either is this breakout that Dave talked about, or he's a pretty big bust. And right now I'm seeing uh, kind of across the board, he's like a fourth round pick right now. And and he didn't go fourth in our uh, expert mock right now, but his ADP seems to be right in that like fourth round range. And to me, that's just evidence of an overcorrection right now. Everybody is really confident there's not enough running backs and you have to get your backs. But that doesn't mean that you chase a guy like Raheem Mostert with his profile into the fourth round where you guys know I love all the fourth-round receivers, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore falls there sometimes. There's too many good names. Odo Beckham's available there sometimes. Way too many good wide receiver names available at that point to be taking someone who had almost no track record before last year, no receiving role. Um, the, and then on a team that that rotates, and and last we saw Raheem Mostert in the playoffs, he was coming off that Monster NFC Championship game and then getting uh, basically benched. For the first half of the Super Bowl, for whatever reason, he was their backup again. Uh, this is a team that's going to rotate, and and there is the potential for that big boom. But I, I, I can't chase a 27, 28 year old running back up into the fourth round with this track record.
0: I wouldn't either. I but I'd get him in round six or round seven. Yeah. And I know Adam would take him in round six too, wouldn't you, Adam?
2: Yeah, I,
1: I just we did a draft at two p.m. today. Right now it's four fifteen. It was an industry draft. It was half PPR. Yep. I thought it was full PPR, full disclosure. Uh, <laughs> because I'm so used to every draft we do. It's three receivers and a flex and full PPR. This one was half PPR. So I went Barkley one. I had the second pick. Dave had the first pick. I went Barkley in the first round. Then I went... I, there was no running back that I loved. It was Melvin Gordon was like the next running back. So I was like, nope, not taking him in round two. So I went Juju, then DJ Moore, then Terry McLaurin, then DK Metcalf. And then at the end of round six, I took Raheem Mostert. But... What if it had to be your? And I don't think anybody has a problem with that, right?
0: I don't. I don't know if Ben does.
2: Especially not with that build. No, I mean, I actually have Melvin Gordon as one of my busts, and I took him in this draft you're talking about in the fourth round because, <laughs> okay. I mean, you said you're thinking about him the end of round two. He came all the way around to the fourth. And yeah. in a half PPR league, yeah, I'm going to take him as my RB2, just like you made a similar decision with Mostert as your RB2.
1: Right. And right after I had four wide receivers. But the question is no on the fourth round. Yes, on the sixth round. What about 55th overall, which is where he is on Fantasy Pros right now in PPR? That's RB24. That's one spot ahead of Mark Ingram and David Montgomery. Uh, What do you think about Mostert there?
0: The only way I'm taking him there is if those other running backs that you just mentioned, Ingram and Montgomery, are gone, and a lot of other running backs are gone, and I got receiver heavy in in my earlier picks, and I'm just desperate for a running back.
2: Yeah. I basically agree with Dave. I, I don't think I would take him in the fifth. Even if I was receiver heavy, I probably would find a receiver I like way too much more um, than, than diving into most or for need at that point. Even
1: before I forget, we have your Apple podcast questions and your emails at fantasy football at cbsi.com set to be read on today's show. So stay tuned for that. And Dave, uh, well, who's your biggest
0: bust? Well, if, if Benjamin Gretch is going to take shots at me, I'm going to take it right back <laughs> at him and say Will Fuller is a big time bust for me, uh, to the point where I really just don't want to draft him at all. You know, two things you need to be a good receiver in the NFL are steady hands and availability. And Will Fuller's had a hard time displaying both of those things on a regular basis. I know the opportunity is there for him with uh, with DeAndre Hopkins gone, lots of target share to be grabbed in Houston. But they brought in Brandon Cooks, they brought in Randall Cobb, for whatever those guys are worth. I think Will Fuller stays exactly in the role he's in, which is very, very inconsistent, high upside, terrible downside. And he's probably going to get banged up at some point after he drops a pass and trips over his feet and ends up being on your bench for four weeks. And I just don't want the hassle of Will Fuller. We, we, we talk about him breaking out every year. Um, I decided very early this offseason that I wasn't going to have any of Will Fuller. I love his quarterback. Don't love him.
1: Does this matter to you? He's been in the league four years. Cooks has been in the league five years, I believe. Um, If you take away both Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, you take away both of their rookie seasons. And the reason I did this was because Will Fuller's rookie season was with Brock Osweiler. It was that horrible year for DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm not going to hold it against Will Fuller. If you take away both Cooks and Fuller's rookie seasons, Fuller actually has a slightly higher yards per target than Brandon Cooks. I don't know if that matters to you
0: guys.
2: It 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 matters a little bit. Uh, Yards per target is going to be depth um, sensitive, and and Fuller gets downfield looks. But he also – Fuller can do more at different areas of the field than people realize. I mean, I kind of want to give the pro case because I I don't know how much we've dug into him. But the the two things that I love about Fuller's profile this year, one, he's the only receiver left in Houston that actually has a track record with Deshaun Watson. We know that um, the the offseason work is going to be shortened the the Will Fuller to Brandon Cooks debate, you can pretty easily give Fuller the nod in the sense that he's been very productive with Watson before. Remember the splits last off season where we talked about how much better Watson was when Fuller was on the field. Um, oh yeah. he's, he's a player that, that dramatically impacts Watson's ability, and they and they play well together. And then two, I would just say that I don't think people realize how good he is. And, and Adam, you just noted the efficiency. Um, he's I was kind of attacking him by comparing him to sneaky good players like kenny stills who's always had sneaky good efficiency but you can go all the way back to his his uh prospect days and he's been hurt a lot so there's a question how good is this guy uh a lot of people think he's just a couple big games and that's all he's been as a prospect was very very good and uh basically got Deshaun kaiser drafted in in very high and got him a starting job at the nfl that level. that may
0: be correct yeah. he
2: so got he caught 14 touchdowns and 15 touchdowns in his two seasons Uh, as a full-time player for Notre Dame, and then then declared early like we hope to see. And he's been an efficient and productive player at the NFL level since coming in. To me, this is the profile of a guy that as soon as he does stay healthy for a full 16 games, we're going to see a big season. And there's no question in my mind that he could be the number one for them right now. He's the only guy on their team that has any kind of a rapport with Watson.
0: It would be something completely different than he's done at any point in his four-year career. As a rookie, he had three of 14 games with 15 or more PPR points. Second year, three of 10. Third year, three of seven. That was the year when he got off to a real hot start. It was 2018. Got off to a hot start and then got hurt. Only played seven games. And then last year, played 11 games. That's a lot for him. Only two games with uh, 15-plus in PPR. So in his career, he's hit that 15-point mark 26% of the time. I I can't take a receiver like that with a a decent pick, knowing that his success rate just is not very high. And his his injury rate for wh- however you want to measure that uh, is pretty high. No, so I look at
1: the inconsistency is definitely there for Fuller. I mean, remember he had he had like two hundred something yards and three touchdowns. He had all three of his touchdowns in one game uh, mm-hmm. against the Chiefs. But you know, I'm I'm he's curious. good for
0: best ball. He's going to give you. He's going to win you a week in best ball.
1: I'm curious to see what he does Maybe with thirty percent of the targets. Are I mean, Deshaun or DeAndre Hopkins was like a thirty percent target share every year.
0: Yeah, but he's so, not getting 30%. No, he's not, but it's just it frees, it
1: frees up a lot. Oh, no, no. I'm not saying he's going to get 30%. It just it frees up so many targets. Um, all right, we'll see what happens. So Dave's obviously taking Cooks over Fuller. How about you, Ben?
2: Oh, Fuller for me. Yeah, the, this is, the concussions scare me with Cooks as well. Okay. If ben. Cooks doesn't get concussed and he plays 16 games, you, he's going to be beat ADP. There's no question.
0: Yeah. Are you but taking I think either th- one of them by the end of round six?
1: Uh, no, well, you don't have to. I don't think they go there.
2: He's I'm 80, saying, like, do, do you like
0: Fuller enough that where you're going to, you know, really, you know, get up there and try and get him? Before.
2: I did that in the in the Twitch mock the other night. Oh, my you guys goodness. had a little bit of a field day with it on the show. The reason I did that is I started running back tight end, wide receiver running back, which is a, a, a pretty wide receiver, thin start for me. And then in the fifth, I took a receiver. In the sixth and the seventh, I knew I was going receiver, receiver. I, I was certain of it. And so I went with my highest ranked receiver in the sixth round, and it was Will Fuller. And I'm I'm pretty high on him, and I'm comfortable with that. Over drafting a guy when you know um, whoever falls to you in the next round is just going to be another receiver. And it was it was Debo actually. And then I ended up getting Christian Kirk in the eighth on top of it. All those guys were in the same tier for me. Um, I have no problem with reaching in that type of a scenario where you know you're locked into multiple players at a position. Take the best guy on your board.
0: All right, more yeah, I more that. I just about that later. The wrong best guy. <laughs>
1: More bus later on in the show. We'll get to it. Um, let me promote a few things here. Next week, we got five episodes, including a mailbag, at cbsi.com and all of your Apple podcast questions as well. Please leave us a nice five-star review and ask a question. Uh, we got poker Tuesday night on Twitch. So uh, that's going to be awesome. Twitch.com slash FF today. Playing poker on Tuesday night. I plan on doing really well. And next week, I didn't mention the content that we're going to have other than the mailbag. We are debating the top five at every position. So that's going to be a really fun debate for the quarterbacks and the running backs in particular. But really for the for the wide receivers, I'm looking forward to that episode because we haven't really – I feel like we haven't gotten into that one as much. You know, Julio versus Tyreek versus Godwin versus whoever's in your top five. So we'll take a look at the consensus rankings. We'll have some debates about it, and that's coming up next week. News and notes. Well, I don't know that we have to react about this, but you probably saw the quote. Dr. Fauci said, uh, quote, unless players are essentially in a bubble, insulated from the community, and they are treated and they are tested nearly every day, it would be very hard to see how football is able to be played this fall. If there is a second wave, which is certainly a possibility and which would be complicated by the predictable flu season, football may not happen this year, end quote. Meanwhile, Ed Werder from ESPN reported that three coaches expressed concerns about the virus – one of them saying maybe push it back, push the season back. Um, I think one of them brought up not playing 16 games. It's an uncertain time right now. I think people are probably spooked by the positive tests. Now we got one in Denver. We had Houston and and the Cowboys.
2: And I don't know Tough if uh, Sean McVay is one of those coaches, but just before we came on, I saw a Rams reporter mentioning that uh, he had also commented on it and said you know, something about that it would be tough to play football. He's like, we're supposed to be so social distancing, but, but we're going to play football and it's a contact game. I right, think yeah. it's a good That's idea
0: if you're a league commissioner to start thinking about how you want to move forward with uh, the uncertain times and what might happen. It's, we, we talked about this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago today where you expand a roster spot. Maybe you're, you're entitled to the backup quarterback for a team. You know, if you've got Mahomes, you automatically have Henny, um, something like that. Maybe use team quarterbacks and then you can just avoid the whole rigmarole with uh with that position. But it they're they're if they play this year, and I'm still optimistic that they will, guys, but if they play, I'm worried that there will be people ruled out because they tested positive day of game. Oh, yeah. And if it happens on a Monday when you can't really replace somebody, you're gonna need some help. And I think it's only fair if a commissioner Runs that by past the rest of the play, the people in their league. Um, you know, if if a guy's out, the, the this owner has carte blanche to go to the waiver wire and pick up somebody else from this game to replace them, something like that.
1: And the NFL is considering expanding practice squads to up to sixteen players. Practice squads had been ten. Uh, new agreement has it up to twelve now, and it will it potentially up to sixteen players, according to NFL Network. Um, that's, good. you know, yeah, yeah be good. good. There's 22 get... positions
2: on the field. I mean, you're going to need at least one backup at every position. <laughs> and that,
0: that'll be popular with the NFL players association. So that'll get done.
1: Justin Jefferson is going to play a lot in the slot. Not a big surprise, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? Too. Uh, we also got this email from Neil, uh, from Neil from Clearwater beach, Email of the day, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. So many mixed news out there on how it works and how many games. Okay, this is about holdouts. Sorry, I forgot to read the subject line. He wanted to know okay. about the new holdout rules. Um, last I read, players can report, then hold out five games in a season and get credit for the season. Anyhow, this rule change deserves clarity for all fantasy players. So I actually asked Will Brinson about it. I don't know if you guys know.
0: I'm on it, yeah. I asked uh, Joel Corey, who's a former NFL agent who does a lot of contractual analysis for CBS Sports. Yeah. Yeah. So it's true that if a player holds out for five days, it impacts his status for free agency the following year, his contract tolls. So if Dalvin Cook holds out for the first five days of training camp, he's going to be a restricted free agent next spring. You got me so far. He'll accrue this. Just season. five
2: days of training camp because that's says it. Five it's games.
0: Five. It used to be thirty days. I, I meant five days of training camp, not five games. Interesting. Yeah. yeah no. So the, the email really, said five games. Right. No. It's five days of training camp. Okay. Zero games. Um. So that that's that's going to be something that. Well, Dalvin, listen. It'll I, hurt I, his I, leverage. Hold for on sure. for one second, though, because
1: Brinson said to me. Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon have to show up for training camp on the day their teams are scheduled to report or they don't get credit for an accrued season. To get credit for an accrued season, they also have to be on, quote, full pay status, end quote, for at least six regular season games. There is also a clause saying a player can lose a season for failing to perform his contracted services for a material period of time. Which Will thinks is intentionally vague to give teams a loophole if someone shows up for day one and then goes rogue. So I'm still a little bit okay. confused, but what, what what I understood was that this was designed to eliminate holdouts. Yeah. They were sick of it. Well, and-
0: either one makes is bad news for Dalvin Cook. Like where's his leverage now to say, Well, I'm gonna stay away from the team? The team's gonna say, Okay, great, go ahead, stay away. We're gonna keep you for twenty twenty one, man. Come on back when you're ready. Um and and the the other thing that I know, there's the fines, there's an issue with fines. If you're on your rookie deal, the fines you accrue from being a holdout can be forgiven. If you're on your second deal or past that and you're fined, those fines stand no matter what. Team can't take it away. So Dalvin at least won't get fined if he holds out and then he comes back. But I mean, I guess the gamble he's taking is that if he holds out, he's assuming he's going to sign a new deal anyway. And that would just, it wouldn't matter what his status for next spring would be because he'd already be under a new contract with the Vikings. And then he said something like, well, I wouldn't mind getting paid $13 million a year guaranteed. Yeah. I bet he wouldn't.
1: Yeah. I'd be cool with Make that him, too.
0: You know, the second or third highest paid running back per year in the NFL. And I don't know if Minnesota's going there. Well, let's read it, do a few more busts here.
1: And Ben, let's start with Aaron Jones, 17th overall on Fantasy Pros. That makes him RB11. He's basically got the same ADP as Nick Chubb. He's slightly ahead of Miles Sanders. I know you'd prefer Miles Sanders. Um, he's also after Eckler and Drake. Uh, maybe I think he's after Eckler. And, yeah, he's after Eckler and Drake. But Aaron Jones, anyway, um, where would you feel comfortable taking Aaron Jones? Why is he a bus free right now?
2: He's a bust because of, you know, we've talked about it all offseason, but there's there's even more than just the surface level that we talk about. Uh, We talk about the 19 touchdowns. We talk about they they drafted A.J. Dillon and he's so clearly going to play on on. He's the size and and, um, speed of Derrick Henry. He's so clearly going to play in short yard situations, so that immediately impacts Aaron Jones scoring potential. Jones does have game-breaking ability and, and should score from, from longer distances at a higher rate than any other, potentially any other running back in the league. He's a very good player. I don't dislike him at all. But then there's the other side where the only time even last year he was over, I believe it's 60 or 65% snap rates, his four four highest snap rates of the year were the two games that Jamal Williams missed and the other two that he left early. Um, so he was already kind of just a committee back last year who did better because Uh, Williams was getting banged up. And then also we've talked about how his receiving was dramatically impacted by Devontae Adams missing time. And he saw a lot more targets and a lot more even downfield looks. They were splitting him out in those games. I know he had a huge game against Kansas City receiving. uh, Mm -hmm. All of that came uh, when Devontae Adams was banged up. So you have this, this whole confluence of factors last year that led to him having this breakout season. He's very, very talented, but it's not even necessarily the way the Packers wanted to use him last year. And now they go and they draft AJ Dillon, and he's going to steal all those those touchdowns and everything. I mean, for me, love the talent. Can't draft him anywhere close to this. I mean, just I I don't know. End of the third. End of the fourth?
1: Okay. Yeah. So that puts him in the like Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley range.
2: Yeah, I have him ahead of those guys in my rankings, but that's um, not by much. I'm two spots ahead of Gurley, three ahead of Gordon.
1: I feel like there's really a a huge Obvious tier in running back, you know. I was about
0: when, to get into that.
1: Right, you got the.
0: Yeah, it's after the. I feel like it's after maybe the twelfth or thirteenth running back in PPR, and probably the same spot in non PPR. It kind of depends on how you feel about Jacobs in full PPR. And yeah, he and I he think that behind. I think
1: it depends on how you feel about Aaron Jones too. He's either yep. at the end, but of I the feel tier like or at the beginning of the next he's one. The,
0: he's he's to to steal the term from Jamie the bridge. He's the running back that will get you from that. It's basically the second tier of near elite running backs to the very good tier. Well, is he? Which one is he in? He's in the very good tier, but he's at the top of the very good tier. I can't put Chris Carson ahead of him yet. I can't put Melvin Gordon ahead of him. Not going to put Todd Gurley ahead of him. Heath has. You just not every, draft running backs at that point. That's, I mean, that's yeah.
2: that's going to be my whole argument with him and and with Melvin Gordon and Mostert that I already said earlier. Go to a different position at that point, but don't. There's a difference, though, I think,
1: w- with Aaron Jones compared to Gordon. Like, Aaron Jones is so good. And uh, what was the stat I gave? He's had 11 games with 15 or more carries, and he has scored 14 or more non-PPR points, non-PPR, in every single game. Mm-hmm. If they would just give him the work, he would be. But they're not going to. But you they can't they ignore might. what
2: they're telling you. But, but they didn't last year. Right, but they're also telling us.
1: But they didn't last year. But they're also telling us that they're going to run the ball more than they did last year. That possibly. Like, do you think that. Do you, They, honestly, like, they feel like they could be one of those teams that's top five in rush attempts. I think they were like 13th last year.
2: They drafted an absolute workhorse between the tackles grinder in the second round. But no Why less. would they
1: go away from Aaron Jones? You always bring up Derrick Henry. I always bring up. DeMarco Murray because Derrick Henry got almost no work in his rookie year behind DeMarco Murray.
2: Yes, but Murray wasn't already like entrenched in that role and giving up touches to a third back before Henry was drafted. That's my issue is they weren't giving him a full workload when Jamal Williams was healthy last year. They weren't playing him on passing downs as much as Williams. They've always liked Williams as a pass blocker more. And then they go draft this guy who was a between the tackles, big bruising type of grinder back. Of course, they're going to tell you they, that they're going to run more because they just drafted a second-round running back. But like, the, I think the only way you can really make a case for Jones, as much as I love how good he is, but for his role being big enough where he can consistently get 15 carries, like you said, is to kind of just say that A.J. is not going to do anything.
1: No, he's not going to get consistently 15 carries. I was just saying, if he does, if, you, if you're if you going to tell me that he was a workhorse feature back, he's a first-round pick probably for, for everyone. Yep, but yeah, I don't think that. But I don't know that he gets fewer touches because Jamal Williams had 107 carries last year. Jones had 236. I wish it hadn't been dependent on Jamal Williams getting hurt. I guess, but uh, do you have the
2: receiving numbers? Who had more targets?
1: Uh, I probably Jones, but you know there were four games that Williams missed, so right. <laughs> there's that. But you're right about the catches with uh, Devontae Adams. Twelve games with Adams, he had 27 catches. Four games without Adams, he had 22 catches. And all right, let's move on. Let's get to one of David. I mean, runs.
2: listen, it drives me nuts how they use him too. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I uh, we're in but agreement there. I think
0: they're doing it because they're they're trying to keep him upright and on the field because they know that he's got a history of knee injuries. And I think the Dylan pick was one of those. Let's stay a year ahead of things for Gutenkunst and and the rest of the front office in Green Bay. They they know that Aaron Jones is going to be a free agent after this year. I think Jamal Williams. I don't think it's this year. I think it's next year. No, they were drafted together, weren't they? I don't remember, but either this year or next year, Jamal Williams is going to be a free agent too. So one of those guys is probably going to walk. And Dylan is someone, he had to have reminded LaFleur of Derrick Henry. And LaFleur was there when Derrick Henry was there in Tennessee. And he he was the offensive coordinator when Henry finally started to break out. So I, I'm positive that that's part of it too. Is that they're they're trying to stay a step ahead, and for this year, it's an embarrassment of riches. It's going to hurt fantasy managers. I'm not comfortable taking Aaron Jones unless it's round three at the earliest, and someone's probably going to take him before then, so you don't have to worry about it. Okay,
1: so you know what? Why don't we group together a whole bunch of players here? They're all going in similar ranges. Ben has Melvin Gordon listed as a bust. He's 34th overall on Fantasy Pros. He's RB 17 just ahead of Le'Veon Bell, who's one of Dave's busts. He's RB 18 and David Johnson as well, who is, uh, RB I 20. Th- I might have the orders a little bit mixed up, but it doesn't really, I think, I think David Johnson's 47th overall. I wrote down that he was 37th overall, but it goes Melvin Gordon, then Le'Veon Bell, then David Johnson. Um, they're all going before Chris- James Conner, for example, going before some of the rookies, but, you know this group of running backs, veterans. I'll I'll let you guys explain it, but this is something that I've really bought into, Ben. Since you started hammering it home, I want to give Dave the first words. I haven't really gotten him uh, as involved, but you no, know, it's, it's fine. It's, it's part of that totally running back. Fine. dead. Those those like aging running backs that like be be ahead of the curve as a fantasy owner, and don't put too much stock into them. Right? Is that sort of the the gist?
2: Yeah, I think the line that I used was "don't overpay for past production at running back." Like that's my motto at running back. Right. Don't pay for the premium brand. Pay for the discount brand that hasn't you know broken out yet. You know. All right. So let's talk about
1: these guys: Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson. Dave, your overall thoughts there? Maybe maybe they're not, but maybe they're not all busts. What do you think?
0: I'm o- I'm okay with Melvin. I don't think he's as. I don't think he he. I, I get the the rationale for why he's a bust because he's older and changing teams and he wasn't exactly a a crusher last year when he came back from from his holdout with the chargers but i i think that he's what the broncos really want at running back under pat sherber i think they want a running back who can do three down work and i don't think philip lindsay was that guy because he was terrible in passing situations and I don't think Royce Freeman was that guy because he wasn't that good specifically in rushing situations. And they had the opportunity to upgrade there and they, they did it with Gordon. And it's not to say that Lindsay won't play, but I bet Lindsey gets right around 10 touches per game. Melvin gets everything else, including third down work. And I think that it's, it's a good offense for him to be in. It's, it's a, it's a positive fit in terms of goal line work, pass catching work, uh, he's done a lot of that before. I'm not saying that Melvin Gordon's about to embark on a great three or four year run with the Broncos, but in redraft, I think he can give you one good year where he can finish as a top 15 fantasy running back. So that's the argument uh, for Melvin Gordon. For Le'Veon and David Johnson, it's it's a whole lot of what Ben said, which is you're you're paying for past production. Uh, except you're really not paying for Le'Veon's last two years. <laughs> you're just expecting him to somehow magically come back to the form that he was in when he was with the Steelers. He he saw a career low in touches with Adam Gase last year. I think it was 20.7 per game. Um, in, in PPR leagues, I guess there's some redeemable value because he can catch four or five passes per game. Gase hasn't had a top 12 running back since 2016, and he's been coaching and calling plays for offenses every single year since then. The offensive line's improved, but I don't know if it's going to be improved to the point where Le'Veon's going to get four yards per carry. He was around three point two. He was terrible in the red zone, and he's twenty-eight years old. So I, I'm I'm almost at the point where I, I'm going to sink him in my rankings behind the rookies. Which maybe two weeks ago I thought ah, I'd be crazy to do that, but I'm just I'm so down on him that I don't <laughs> want to have him on my team. That I'd rather go get a rookie running back. Or more importantly, this is where remember how earlier in the podcast Ben referred to the point where Chris Carson and, and Gurley and Aaron Jones, that, that tier, the very good tier that we talked about, and that Jones was the bridge between the two of them, where he said, that's where I want to go and get somebody at a different position. Where you're going to see Le'Veon go and David Johnson go, that's where I want to get a wide receiver. And that's in that round four, round five range. I don't want to get a running back in that range if I can help it. And if I do, it's probably going to be a rookie, and I'm not going to love it for the first few weeks of the season.
2: So I agree with all that. Yeah, I mean I, well, I loved it. Here's I, uh, what,
1: let me let me just say, like, here's kind of why Aaron Jones is so interesting. Especially if you have an early pick in the first round, you start with one of those top five running backs. He might be your only chance to get a running back, Aaron Jones, until you reach this tier of running backs of running true. backs that nobody wants. Same thing with Melvin. So that's yeah. why he's a bit of a, a conundrum and he's obviously like, I think we all like Aaron Jones better than Melvin Gordon and Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, et cetera. But you know, this is exactly what I did. That's why I ended up as with Raheem Mostert as my number two running back. Cause Aaron Jones is actually off the board 23rd overall, or I would have taken him. Maybe you guys wouldn't have, I would have, um, but he was off the board. So that's why I had to make a real commitment to say, Nope, no running backs now not interested. I already had Barkley. I went with four straight wide receivers. But you know what I'm saying, Ben? It's like yes. there are so many running backs that were, that we're just sort of like labeling as busts that it's it's a little bit difficult, I think, for fantasy managers to hear that and say, well, how am I going to get two running backs with my first right. three where, picks?
2: Where are my running backs going to come from? So there's two, two sides to that. One, I agree with you that Aaron Jones probably is that last one that you can feel comfortable with. Although Dave's right about Gordon. Gordon's going to play on passing downs, and I listed him as a bust here. Um, mostly because we talk about the same boss on every show, you know, and I, and I, like when we talk about guys that we don't like, and I've, I've harped on a lot of other guys and I realized I don't really love Gordon. And then I ended up taking him, like I said, in today's mock in the fourth round, it was a 0.5 PPR draft. That's going to change things a little bit. Right. And I started Michael Thomas, Travis Kelsey. I was chasing running backs at that point, And I was comfortable taking Gordon at that point. And I've, I've been a big fan of his for a long time, but 27 year old back, never been a particularly efficient runner. Joining a crowded backfield, an offense that's going to throw the backs at a lower clip, an offense that's going to generate fewer scoring chances—none of those things are good, right? And and, and the, there's similar negative trends with Aaron Jones. So the second thing I would say is, um, how big of a difference is it between those guys and, like, for instance, in Gordon's case, Philip Lindsay, who's still going to have a role, carry on Johnson, Damian Williams. This year, we're actually in this weird spot where. We're not real confident in all these rookies that were drafted high. Cause there was a lot of rookies drafted high, but also no one wants to draft their backfield mates at all. But those guys are going to produce fantasy points. Maybe they produce eight to 10 a week. And, uh, and my point is don't chase somebody into the third or the fourth round that you think is only going to produce maybe 14 or, or 12 points a week when you can get a guy for eight to 10 points a week later. And the difference at wide receiver, or the difference at tight end is way bigger in that gap. So, I think the the clear answer for me is again the running back dead zone, just you have to be thin at running back early in drafts. You got to get really good at other positions. And there are options later that will get you points at running back. So don't take a guy that you don't think can be a twenty point per game scorer if he's only going to give you a a two or three point per week advantage over somebody you could get in the tenth round.
1: And Dave, this is a different conversation in non PPR, right?
0: Well, I mean, I I like on even less in non-PPR.
1: Okay, but specifically this running back conversation. Like, I I don't think I can go one running back, four wide receivers in a a non-PPR league. I'm even hesitant to do it in a half-PPR league, but full PPR. If you're playing in a full PPR league with three wide receivers and a flex, yeah, you can be totally fine with a running back in the first round and then nothing until the sixth round. You know, it's perfectly viable. But sure. non PPR, I'm not sure. What about half PPR? Like half um, PPR, you're looking at you're looking you could at David probably Johnson. Probably get away with it in half PPR. You're looking at David at Johnson least, and AJ Green. Where are you going?
0: Probably Johnson, because I'm not. I'm souring on Green too.
1: But right. I mean,
0: we haven't really even talked about David Johnson. At least Johnson's in a system that has produced decent running backs. I mean, Chris Towers, who's a huge fan of David Johnson, has said last year Carlos Hyde had over a thousand yards and six touchdowns in. Houston so what's stopping David Johnson from doing that and my thought is well if they don't use David Johnson the right way and if David Johnson gets hurt again that will stop him from being that guy they don't the track record for Deshaun has been not to throw to his running backs his check down is throwing deep and now he's got more receivers to throw deep to than he's had uh, previously Uh, downfield receivers I should say and I I think the only thing that helps David Johnson now compared to where he was in Arizona last year is that he's got a better offensive line, but it's not necessarily a better offense. And it's one that may not be tailored to his strengths. And he's an old man too, old being a relative term. You know, I'm in my forties and David Johnson's like late twenties. So plus he'd beat me up if he heard me say that. And I don't want to get beat up, but I wouldn't take him in that, in that 40 to 50, 50th overall range i think he should go past that and i think he should be one of those running backs that you're looking to you go all right I, I need a running back i'll just take david johnson no one's ex- very few people outside of chris towers are excited to draft david johnson this year
1: yeah and there has not been a running back under bill o'brien that has had more than 44 catches on houston
0: that yeah, was duke they, johnson they've last averaged year. 54 catches 54 catches a year. As a unit. All the running backs in Houston but since Deshaun got there.
1: No, Duke no is still Hopkins, there. though. So, again, that could help. Yeah, Duke is still there. They, That's the
0: by, by how many, Adam? I don't Are, know. You're, you're talking about gonna, a guy okay, who, who, who could he had 150 targets. He's 50%. gone. Oh. There's, if there's 70 catches to go around between Duke Johnson and David Johnson, who who's getting... David might get the most, but it might be 40 to 35.
1: Well, all right, fine. But then... If you look at what Hyde and Lamar Miller have done, and then you say David Johnson could get 30 to 35 catches, he's probably getting 240 carries. So now you're talking about 270 touches for David Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. How appealing is that? I guess I'll take David Johnson. On
2: (laughs) The the key for me for Johnson, and I haven't been taking him either. And again, I agree with most all of what they've just said, but... It will be whether he splits out wide. Uh, I think we'll know week one. Like if I draft him anywhere, I'll know week one if I want to trade him. Because if they're not splitting him out, then that's a problem. He's been very good split out wide throughout his career and in the slot. He's essentially like a tight end. Like he has those skills. He's a good route runner down the field. Um, And that's part of why he had such a monster receiving uh, line back in 2016 in his huge year. And, And that had... That line featured a bunch of air yards, which is something you don't see from running backs. It was the most air yards for a running back in any season. Um, This was at least true a couple of years ago, right after he did it. It was the most he had since air yards had started being tracked, Uh, and by a lot, like hundreds more than any other running back that year. So he was a guy that could actually get down the field. If they're going to use him like that in in the absence of Hopkins, which you brought up, then maybe there's a chance for him to get. Uh, a lot more running back receptions because Dave's right the the trend is real but if David Johnson's not playing running back it could be different.
0: They gave up a third round pick for Duke Johnson last year. Yeah Duke Johnson that way when he was known the world over (laughs) as passing down specialist. They were like, all right, let's give let's give that guy three catches per game. Yeah. I want to put the cherry on top of this Sunday if I may Adam because I love fattening food. Yeah. Oh
1: man, my birthday is tomorrow. I'm gonna Episode. oh yeah happy birthday Thank Some you. patsies and then bet Bet uh ben's is next week um no anthony's coal fire for me so
0: good How, they have they have that yeah. near you in it's new like, york or are you getting shipped like shipped or are you coming no, down it's like 15
1: 15 minutes from me
0: okay all right that's good the cherry on top david johnson's schedule week one at kansas city week two baltimore week three at pittsburgh week four minnesota Bad. Or, I don't know if that's exactly their first four games. I know Kansas City's first, but those are some of the teams they play very early on. And then uh, Le'Veon, his schedule is really bad too. For some reason I can't find Patriots, it. No. Patriots, no. Patriots team. are week
1: two? I don't know.
0: He's got he's got Bills. the Bills and the 49ers. Bills and the Niners? Okay. Right off the top.
1: All right, guys. We're going to take a quick break. we got two more players to talk about. Odell Beckham and Devontae Parker. Who's got those guys as a bust? Then we'll run through Heath's list, which includes the number one quarterback in fantasy, at least in ADP, and last year, Lamar Jackson. All right, we'll be right back on Fantasy Football today to wrap this up. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com.
0: So you're going to Anthony's Coal Fired Pizza for your birthday. That's the well-done pizza place, and I just had it, and I love it. I'm just curious what, what kind of pizza you're going to get, at them.
1: You don't have to ask me that. What? You know what I'm getting.
0: The meatballs and ricotta and hell, sweet pepper?
1: Hell yeah. No, no sweet pepper. It's just meatballs and ricotta. It is Peppers the make best. It. Peppers are good. The meatballs, man. It is such meatballs a- Meatballs are so good. Unbelievable slice of pizza. Yep. And I'm going to have like five of them. And I'm going to have some wings too. They have great wings. Yes, Can't wait. very good wings. And I'm getting Oven a cookie grown. cake. Now I'm when was hungry. the last time you guys had cookie cake?
0: Oh. Um, it's so good. We made homemade cookies this week. It wasn't cookie cake, but they were damn good.
1: If you just make it in one big square, bam, it's a cookie cake. All right. Uh all right. So um Devontae Parker is one of Ben's best uh busts. He's going fifty-eighth overall. He's wide receiver twenty-six just after DJ Chark and Stefan Diggs. I want to say he was like the number three wide receiver in the last eight games of the year, something crazy like that. Uh Ben, you're saying no on Devontae Parker.
2: Yeah, and we've talked about him a lot this offseason. I think wide receiver twenty six is a little bit closer to reasonable. Um I've seen him go, go quite a bit higher than that at times this offseason, but I actually have him in my 30s and, and actually well into my 30s at 35, but in a big tier that starts around wide receiver 26 and goes all the way to wide receiver 40. I, 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 I'm i concerned about uh, Preston Williams coming back. They were essentially identical in efficiency um, before Williams got hurt, and obviously Josh Rosen was playing a lot during that time. Uh, I'm concerned about you know the fact that I think Mike Kosicki could have a big breakout. I'm also concerned about the – the Dolphins adding two running backs and Jordan Howard and Matt Breida that I think will give them more balance on offense. And they won't be such a pass happy team as they were down the stretch last year. I mean, basically Devontae Parker's season last year can be split into two halves. The first half was very similar to his career numbers, which aren't fantastic. And the second half, he was pretty much all world his, his yards per target was over 11. His touchdown rate was very high. Um, and look, Parker Parker's very good, but he's also had a hard time staying healthy all throughout his career He's not somebody that I can trust uh, as a stable wide receiver two um, or even high-end wide receiver three, which I guess is where he's going here. Uh, He's more of a back-end wide receiver three slash flex for me.
0: He was able to stay healthy. We all knew that he had good talent. He was a first-round pick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick just kept chucking it to him. Yeah. So if, if all those things stay true, then he can be fine. He can finish inside the top 24 and maybe even the top 15 at wide receiver. But I feel like it's asking a lot.
1: Yeah, you haven't even mentioned Tua, the possibility that Tua plays right. at some point. Tua
0: locked onto receivers a little bit at Alabama.
1: Right, but he's not going to be as prolific as Fitzpatrick, I, would, I wouldn't I would think. Not that shouldn't, Fitzpatrick's great. Shouldn't but.
0: be, especially, eh, I mean, listen, if, if Fitzpatrick can gun it like he did last year behind that offensive line, then I guess anything's possible in Miami because that look, line will be better.
1: I'm looking at this, uh, this draft we did today, industry draft, three wide receivers. How would you rank them? Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry.
0: That
2: order. I believe I have it: Sutton, Landry, Parker. Okay. Or I might have if Landry, Landry had healthy. a Sutton, but I'm pretty confident I have Parker last.
1: In those last eight games for Devontae Parker, the Dolphins were on pace for the second most pass attempts. In the NFL. I don't know if they had the second most in those eight games, right. but if you take yeah, those eight run. games and you and you multiply by two, they would have finished second passing. Okay. Yeah, it was
0: really just a, a great combination of suckiness that led to Devontae Parker being a star.
1: Odell Beckham, Dave, you have him as a bust. One of your bold predictions, he's going to be even worse than he was last year. And that's a yeah. bold prediction because he was 31st in non PPR, 25th in PPR last year, still had 1,000 yards and only four touchdowns. Um, why is he a bust? And I'll give you his ADP: it is 33rd overall, ninth wide yeah, receiver off too the soon. board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the offense is going conservative. I think that's what Kevin Stefanski's addition of um, but fixing the offensive line they had to do anyway. But adding Hooper told me all right, we're going to, the Browns are going to try and use more tight end friendly formations and plays to maybe on one hand free up what's going on with his receivers, but on the other hand, make use of these other guys that they have, particularly the running backs. I think they're going to try and run the ball like crazy. That's why they got Conklin and, and why they addressed it in the draft. And, and you know, they've got one of the better offensive lines in, in the league now. And it'd be silly to say, all right, Baker, just can go chuck it, go pull your own Ryan Fitz Fitz magic act. And uh, there, I, I don't think that's going to happen very often. And Odell is still going to garner very tough coverage. I don't think that there's anybody else on that offense That's going to force defensive coordinators to say, all right, we better just keep the safeties deep and we'll just try and bend and not break and give up a bunch of field goals." I think you're still going to see safeties over the top of Odell because coordinators aren't going to be afraid of of less than 100% Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper. I I think his touchdowns are in real danger of being right about where they were last year because of Hooper, who was a red zone threat for the Falcons. He's going to do that for the Browns. And because I think they're going to be able to run the ball in the red zone really well. Because when Chubb's tired, here's Kareem Hunt. And Hunt can catch passes out of the backfield, too. So I, if, if we're relying on Odell Beckham to make big plays, he, he's made his fair share over the last three years, but not as many as he did in his first three years. And I'm, the the words of Ben Gretsch are ringing in my head. Don't draft for, for past performance. And I think people are still going to do that with Odell Beckham. I can't do it, given his injury history and given what I think this Browns offense is going to look like.
1: And can I tell you who else is a red zone threat? Jarvis Landry. It's amazing he doesn't have more touchdowns. Here are his red zone targets in six seasons. And I would say, yeah, like 13 is rookie year, that's good. Anything more than that's pretty, pretty damn good. 13, 22, 9, 21, 18, and 20. And in three of his six seasons, he's been third in the NFL in targets inside the 10-yard line, including last year when he had 11. So it's weird that Langer doesn't score more touchdowns because he's always getting targets inside the 20 and inside the 10-yard line. And last year, he had twice as many of each as Odell Beckham did. All right. Uh, shall... Maybe
0: part of that was because Beckham was hurt, but yeah, maybe he's, he's been hurt each of the last three seasons. He
1: he likes to get hurt, at Odell Beckham.
0: Well, I don't think he likes it. I don't think anybody likes it.
1: Let's run through Heath's, and you guys can just tell me, agree or disagree. So, uh, Lamar Jackson, 15th overall on NFC, 21st overall on Fantasy Pros. Is he a bust if he's going in the first two rounds? He's
0: yeah. an ADP bust, but I don't think he's going to be a terrible fantasy pick.
2: And I don't think anyone does. I don't think Heath does.
0: Right. Heath would just prefer to get him in round three. Yeah. I prefer, yeah, I well, prefer to get that anybody that you can get in round three and round four. You know? how,
1: how's that a bust if he's going, you know? Like, don't you have to be pretty bad to be a bust?
0: That's how I look at it.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Heath. All right, how about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? 19th overall on NFC, 28th overall on Fantasy Pros in PPR, but 41st overall on Fantasy Pros in non-PPR.
0: I think if you're cautious, if you're a cautious drafter, you won't get Edwards-Hilaire because you'll say, there's no reason why he, sh- he should be going this high when you know he's splitting duties. He hasn't won anything yet. You know, we're we're assuming that he's going to be amazing based on some good facts, like running backs under Andy Reid have a good track record, but he's he's gotta win the job and then they've gotta give him all that work. And is that gonna happen in September or is that gonna happen closer to Halloween?
2: But again, we can't forget what teams do. They took him in the first round, they made him in the first draft did running back. They obviously love him. They're not gonna not use him. I I I agree with Dave, you have to pay quite the price to get him, but I'm going to make sure I have exposure to him this year. He could be great in fantasy.
0: It's like if you draft Lamar Jackson in the first round, you're drafting him close to his ceiling. And I think if you draft Clyde edwards uh anywhere in the first two rounds, you're drafting him pretty close to his ceiling. Unless he just, you know, mops up in training camp and just looks like an absolute stud. In which case, round two is going to be too late.
1: Yeah, we've had rookie running backs... Year after year. Last year was an exception because uh, Josh Jacobs didn't catch a lot of passes. Miles Sanders was a, was a late bloomer. They didn't finish in the top 12. But each of the four previous years, you had a great year from Gurley, a great year from Zeke, a pretty good year from Fournette and McCaffrey, a great year from Barkley. I mean, th- four of those, three of those Camara guys. should be in there too. Kamara, yes, and Kareem Hunt. Um, yep. Also, they, we're talking like four or five top five running backs. They And I don't top think you five. can
2: discount what Sanders or even Jacobs did, but especially Sanders. He came on late. It's very similar to Kamara wasn't amazing from week one that year. Those guys helped you win leagues.
1: No, but Kamara did finish in the top five. Sanders didn't finish quite in the top 12. But yeah, you're right. Rookie rookie running backs have impact. That's that's a noteworthy trend. The last one is Jonathan Taylor uh, from Heath as a bust. I think thirty first overall is crazy. That's where he's going on NFC. Fifty second overall on Fantasy Pros and PPR. Um, and,
0: and
2: Do you remember when Zeke was going to like six overall? What, yeah, as a rookie? I thought it was a little wild. Yeah. It it as a rookie, he was a first rounder.
0: I, I remember like and Barkley him as a first rounder. Same, but, yeah, but I did those too. guys I had much much better rounder. cases yeah. than John. So if, I, if Marlon so, Mack was out of the picture and Naheem Hines was not quite as good as he's been and not as you know locked into this role on passing downs then yeah taylor could taylor could be going ahead of edward zelaire because yeah
2: I'm, I'm just team. saying you compare those top those guys were both top 10 picks to taylor going 30 and it's not so crazy because taylor is that type of talent frankly he's that he's that good of an athlete and that good of a prospect
0: he has to hold on to the football you think so? and Compared he's got to prove that he can be a good receiver out of the backfield
1: you think Taylor compares to Barkley and Zeke?
0: Zeke certainly. Barkley is yeah.
2: maybe a, maybe a, a notch ahead. Zeke physically they're very very similar, mm-hmm. size and speed and forty time they're, they're very similar.
0: Zeke was more versatile coming out. Barkley obviously was. Zeke deep. had the pass. I blocking. think he's I think he's behind them, but closer to Zeke than Barkley.
1: Barkley. I was surprised that he wasn't the first running back off the board. I really was. Uh, he wasn't the second either. All right, Apple Podcast. Just imagine questions. how
0: crazy we'd be going if Jonathan Taylor had gone to Kansas City. Yeah.
2: One thing we never really talked about. Behind an elite O-line, I'm still going pretty crazy.
0: <laughs> he, he's got to make Marlon Mack disappear. Yeah. And I don't think there's Their schedule's easy in the beginning of the year. At least it looks easy on paper. Mack could get off to a decent start, and it just it limits what Taylor can do. And I think Hines, I think when it's third down in the two-minute drill, it's going to be Hines on the field.
1: Yeah, we never really talk about how Damian Williams can never stay healthy. I think that's like he, he... only stays healthy during the playoffs. Really cannot handle a workload so so far in his career. So yeah. that's a point for Edwards either. Apple Podcast questions from EYIR. My question is, why is there absolutely no debate in the industry about who should go number one? There's only been one time in the last 20 years and RB has repeated as the number one scoring non-quarterback fantasy player... That was Ladanian Tomlinson. This is not true. Ladanian Tomlinson 06-07. Um, I don't think that's true. Maybe it depends on the scoring system, but I will tell you that Todd Gurley in non-PPR was number one in both 2017 and 2018. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey was number one in 2018 and 2019 in PPR, although some scoring has Barkley ahead of McCaffrey in 2018, but they were basically tied. So McCaffrey in PPR has been the number one running back two years in a row. Um, this this stat no isn't
2: as crazy as you think, though. I think if you look at all 16 games, I when you're saying some scoring, it's not including week 17 sometimes. I think if you look at all 16 games full season, I think it is true that it goes back to LaDain Thompson that no running back is repeated.
1: But first of all, I thought LaDain Thompson only had one season where he was the number one running back, so I didn't even know that he repeated. And I, I'm telling you for a fact in our CBS leagues, based on our CBS scoring, in non-PPR, Gurley repeated in 17 and 18, and McCaffrey was tied, including Week 17, where McCaffrey barely played. So on a per-game basis, he was definitely better than Saquon Barkley in 2018, but he tied him in 2018, and then he blew everybody away in 2019. So really, on a per-game basis in PPR, I guarantee you, Christian McCaffrey has been the best running back two years in a row.
0: Uh, actually, I feel actually, like this is the argument against McCaffrey. Uh, Gurley, like the only thing you can say had, that was better it goes against Christian McCaffrey is well, running backs never do this. They never go back to back as number one overall. I think if I draft McCaffrey number one overall, he ends up as like the second or third best one in PPR. I'll I'll live with myself.
2: Yeah, I would say that this is the exact way you shouldn't use long term trends. I think it's an interesting note. And Adam, you are right. LaDain Thompson in PPR only did it once. I, I, I'm pretty sure at least because that's that's something that I pulled uh, when we were doing fantasy football yesterday. I think it maybe goes back to Priest-Holmes. but No, it goes back uh, to Gurley <laughs> Just before Holmes, Falk did it. It's an interesting note, but again, you're making a great point that McCaffrey essentially has done it, but he finished second. Gurley essentially has done it. Tomlinson essentially did it for like four or five years in a row. He was at least top three. That's not number one, but it's top three. That like all of those things are. There's various reasons why players didn't do it multiple years in a row, but none of them were Christian McCaffrey, who literally in PPR was a hundred and fifty points clear of any other back last year. He was so much better than anyone else. He is the perfect fantasy back in terms of his receiving workload, his goal line work, his massive snap share. I, there's there's no argument for any other player other than going into some. Uh, you know, long term trends that you don't think can repeat themselves, but were never actually about a player like Christian McCaffrey.
1: Yeah. Plus, those long term trends, they don't like support a different candidate, right? It's not like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. Okay. From McCaffrey, just set the record for receptions uh, by a running back in a season. So you could say that 100% of, of players who have caught as many passes in a season as him <laughs> were top two backs, back to back seasons.
1: All right. From JW. <laughs> I know some people are nervous about Cooper Cup, but isn't it possible they were just trying to lessen the load on Gurley all first half, and once the late-season run got there, they felt it was time to start feeding Gurley more? We all know Cup is Goff's best friend, and I feel the fall-off was more about saving Gurley for the end than Cup suddenly being bad.
0: Which was a philosophy that I pitched when we were talking about Gurley at this time last year, was that they would just kind of manage his reps until the end of the year when they really needed him, and then they'd give him more. I just didn't think it would come at. I didn't think Cup's playing time would go away because of it. But I still see Cup as Goff's best friend, security blanket in the red zone. Guy that's going to get a lot of targets in that offense and a lot of touchdowns in that offense. Took him at the twenty fourth overall pick. This is how funny Twitter is to me. I took him twenty fourth overall in this All Star half point PPR draft that we've referenced already on the pod. And one one person writes to me Cup at twenty four. What a reach! That pick sucks. Hmm. And then another mention says, Cup at 24, man, that's great value. He's awesome. He's going to be great this year. So I, I think the world is kind of torn on Cooper Cup, but I'm I'm of the belief that he's still going to get a lot of work and still going to score a lot of touchdowns for the Rams.
2: I thought it was interesting that when we looked at the slot rates, he was just as good or, or um, maybe just a small drop-off when he played outside. And I, and I think we might see more two tight end sets from them this year. He might have to play outside a little more without Brandon Cooks. Um, but I, I, I do think that they'll use Josh Reynolds outside too, and continue to, to use some three wide receiver formations. They're not going to go completely away from that. That's what their whole offense was built on in 2018 and their Super Bowl run. Uh, but they did get away from it last year is kind of what I'm referencing when, when Higby went, went bananas at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll kind of see how that impacts cup. It did impact his snapshare a couple of times because um when they went to those multiple tight ends they don't most teams don't use a slot in that scenario that their slot guy comes off the field and i know there was a healthy game for cup where i only play like 30 percent of the snaps because they were using so many tight ends they just basically didn't use him but then it bounced right back that was like week 14 it bounced right back to like 60 or 70 percent which was fairly normal for him low but now that cooks is gone he should play in two wide sets was the point he's gonna play outside a little bit more he's gonna have to be a little more versatile but he'll be all right Hebert.
0: Don't be surprised to see Higby and Gerald Everett line up wide. They did it a bunch last yeah, year. Yeah, that too. That that's McVeigh looking for a matchup. He's he he wants to put those you know size speed differentiators out wide to see how how teams match up against them on his given play. From Jack, Dear
1: Fry, Bender, Farnsworth, and Zoidberg.
0: That's Futurama,
2: that which I've only watched like twice in my life, but I know it.
1: And it's really funny, isn't it? You loved it both
2: times. I didn't obviously. So <laughs> I watched it a bunch more times. <laughs> it's great,
1: funny show. I'm starting a dynasty league. I was only able to find eight players. What is the best lineup composition for an eight-team dynasty league?
2: Two quarterbacks, four running backs, at least three. Wow. I, I I would just you just jack it up. You know, double everything basically. Not maybe mm-hmm. not double it, but two. At least super flex or two quarterbacks. I would play at least three running backs, at least four receivers, maybe a couple of flexes. You could do two tight ends, you could do one tight end. Um I would yeah, I would just we've talked about this on the on the um future of fantasy concepts, and we were talking about ways that we could change the game. Deeper lineups are more fun anyway. So I would just make it a, a lot deeper at, at every position.
0: Two quarterbacks, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, two flex spots. that's all you're doing yeah yeah why not
2: seems too short two running backs two receivers one tight end two flexes
1: yeah no three three running extra flex because three running backs for eight teams is 24 running backs which is the same as two for 12 teams yeah three running backs four wide receivers two quarterbacks one tight end four flexes bam we are out of here thank you very much ladies and gentlemen have a lovely have a lovely evening Um, enjoy your weekend we got five episodes for you next week for dave and ben Uh, we'll talk to you on monday thanks